This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Very lucky to be joined on CFB this evening by David Coles. David played in goal for many years, most notably Oldershot and Yeovil Town. But in terms of his coaching career, he's coached at Southampton, he's coached at Portsmouth, their arch rivals, West Ham United, Bristol City and a few others as well. Also done a lot of work with the England youth setup as well, which is always good to hear. First of all, David, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Recovering from lockdown. So, um, yeah, everything's good. I mentioned to you off air, David, that I've had a few goalkeepers on and mm-hmm. goalkeeping is a position that fascinates myself and many football fans because it can be quite a lonely position in the sense that if you make a mistake in the centre of the park, a teammate could bail you out. But if you're a goalkeeper and you make an error, more often than not, it leads to a goal. In terms of your experience as a player, did that really inspire you to go into the coaching side of things? I think so. I think um, probably in my late sort of 30s, I finished playing in 97, so um, I was 30, about 37 really. Um, and what happened is I was, I was working at, um, at a school for kids with EBD and I was asked to go into football and coach. And I enjoyed it, started doing my badges through the, uh, through the PFA and the FA. So um, one thing led to another and I was offered a job at um, Southampton Academy. So that's sort of my story of how I became a goalkeeping coach. But it's always fascinated me how um, I didn't have so many goalkeeping coaches, especially when I played non-league football. So I really had to deal with stuff myself. So, so physically, uh, technically, tactically, socially. And psychological, which is is a major part of the game nowadays, um, especially with guys like you on social media and, and stuff like that. It's um, it's it's a big part for goalkeepers. So um, yeah, I just wanted to get involved. Um, I wanted to help goalkeepers progress. That's always been the whole object of of my coaching career. So um, get them careers at whatever level I can possibly get them. It might not be for the club that I'm at at that time but help them on their way and give them a skill set that will develop them not only for our club uh, on the philosophy of how we play, but or, or sorry, or, or how they play, but also um, try and link it into every, every part of every other club so that they have a skill set where they can go and play for any team. In terms of the, the coaching side of it, Lots of people talk about shot-stopping when it comes to goalkeeping. They talk about kicking, they talk about reflexes. Which of those is the hardest to coach? Oh, um, I, I, for me, um, shot-stopping's always been a give-me. So for me personally, I think shot-stopping's probably one of the easiest things you can coach. I think probably one of the dis- difficult subjects is, is, is dealing, with the, dealing with the area. So balls coming into the area because it's a decision-making process. 
So um, you might have a goalkeeper that's not quite um, big enough um, to come and deal with crosses. So he has to sort of stay to his line. One I can think of comes straight to my head was Antti Niemi, who I had at Southampton was unbelievable on his line. Uh, will come and deal with crosses, but not as good as someone like David James. So I think that is something that um, I always find not difficult to coach, but difficult to um, develop over a period of time. You know, it takes time to develop that sort of um, that mentality of if balls are coming in the box, um, come in and deal with. The biggest thing for me, really, psychologically, is, and I've always professed, I can't make someone brave. So I can't make someone come and deal with those crosses or I can't make someone dive at someone's feet. It's, it's probably in their genes. So I think bravery would be, um, bravery as in, te- in a technical uh, capacity and bravery as in um, being brave with the ball at his feet, coming and dealing with crosses and probably putting his head in where it doesn't belong sometimes. Also as well, being a, a goalkeeper yourself, being a goalkeeping coach, how often, to be honest, are you frustrated by pundits on TV, maybe guys like myself in social media when it comes to goalkeeping? Because I know quite a few times Gary Neville on Sky and a few others have said, oh, you should be catching that. And then you, you see a goalkeeper respond on Twitter saying, what a load of absolute nonsense. Um, it's difficult to contain yourself when you're sat there in your front room and you're watching football and you, and you see these pundits talk about goalkeeping when they've never actually played the position. Um, I did an article for uh, the Football Guru not so long ago and um, um, he, he put it all over social media, which was great for me because I got lots of feedback on it. And, I, and But someone, someone uh, said, well, um, I, my quote was, um, number twos sort of find it easy to be a number two and there are some number twos are quite happy to be a number two. Um, that's for experience because I've actually had goalkeepers that are quite comfortable being number two and when it comes to being number one they just can't quite cope with it all sometimes if that makes sense. So you're always going to get people that shoot you down but I think the hardest thing f- for outfield players is the going goal and I think in that quote um, I spoke about Matt Letizia and Matt Letizia was an unbelievable goalkeeper by the way he'd go in goal for penalties and shots but as soon as he got a bit rough he said no I've had enough now and he'd come out so um, but he was a good he was a good goalkeeper so sometimes I would say to outfield players especially when they're working they'll come out with comments like who's there and is there anyone there And, and you have to deal with that as a goalkeeping coach as a goalkeeper sometimes I turn it on them and say to them well why don't you have a try and the first sort of thing is is no they don't so I think I think unless you've played there I think it's hard it's difficult to to know what's going through your mind even as a goalkeeping coach when I see certain goals go in I see them go in but I don't feel them going in and I don't see what that goalkeeper does so I think you know, it's, 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 a hard, it's a hard area to, um, to criticise when you haven't played there. I would agree with that. And it's something that when it comes to goalkeepers, unless it's a, a, an obvious glaring error, I'm always very reluctant to, to really go for a goalkeeper. I don't like going for players, to be honest with you, full stop, because as I say, they've played at a far higher level than me. But I always, I always think with goalkeeping, unless it's really glaring, I, I, it's hard for me and I think even the pundits to really go for them. And I think sometimes you're right. We can get overexcited when watching a game and we can simplify things. 
one of the things that, that I, I, again, I want to get your perspective on is the idea of goalkeepers playing with their feet. Now, I know that is important in the modern game, but as a goalkeeping coach, is that something that you would be tasked on working with the goalkeeper on, or would they maybe join in with the outfield players to work on that side of their game? No, I think the technical and tactical stuff is down to the goalkeeping coach nowadays. Same as set plays, really, um, especially defending set plays. I think um, there's an onus on the goalkeeping coach to take ownership of that sort of stuff. Um, certainly working with, um, I come back from um, Al Jazeera many, many years ago and worked with Steve Koch, who, who was adamant about his goalkeepers playing out from the back. And we played a 3-5-2. And... Um, I was pinnacle um, with that development in terms of Frankie Fielding, uh, Dave Richards, who I had at the time, Max O'Leary, Jojo Walcott, and even latter now with someone like Nicky Mayempa, who's still at Bristol City. So I think um, I think it's really important that goalkeepers take responsibility and do the technical and tactical aspects of that. Um, that might be um, technically with the goalkeepers as a unit and then incorporate players into sort of phases of play, small-sided games. Um, but also a sort of, um, I mean, the modern-day goalkeeping coach now really has to integrate with the coaching staff um, to nail the session so that um, everything is implemented on come Saturday, really. And, and, and to use a, a, a modern-day example, David De Gea was going through a, a tough period of form and there was lots of discussion of whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should drop him. When you've been involved at clubs, David, has it been a case of if a goalkeeper's going through a rough patch, is that where the manager would come to you for advice and say, should I drop him? Is the number two ready to come in? Or sometimes would, would the manager make that decision without you even knowing? Um, I, I've had all three of those, uh, Callum, to be fair. I've had managers drop goalkeepers and not tell me. I've, I've had managers come to me and say to me, Colsey, what's going on? Can, what, what can we do? do? Do we need to change it? Um, certainly, very famous manager, Gordon Strachan. Um, we just signed Antti Niamian from Hearts, to be fair. And um, he, took a little, he took a little while to get going, um, pick up the pace of the game, pick up the pace of training, because he'd been up in Scotland, obviously coming down to Premier League um, football, the ball moved quicker, the players hit harder. And he looked at me one day and he said to me, have we made the right sign in? And I said, yeah, just be patient, just be patient. And um, uh, Paul Jones came into a, in, into a game. He was first in keeper, made a couple of rickets and... Uh, Gordon looked at me and he said, I think it's time. And I said, yeah, probably, you're probably right. So I think sometimes goalkeeping coaches will agree to disagree. Certainly I've stuck up for goalkeepers in the past um, with certain managers if I think that it's not time to drop them, um, to give them another go, to stay with them. Um, but I think our job is a specialist job. So we're working with them on a day-to-day -day basis. We look at all the four corners and I think that um, we will get the first signs before the manager on on whether they are performing well in training or whether they're going for a rough patch. But I still believe that, you know, there's not a goalkeeper on this planet that doesn't make a mistake. It's, it's the psychological bit of how they deal with that after they've made a mistake and how they deal with that the next game and the next game after and even in training. I mean, the video analysts now, I mean... Um, at Bristol I used to sit down with Sam Stanton, um, the chief analyst, and we used to diagnose quite a bit of um, all the goalkeepers' um, distribution. So we'd, we'd map it out like a heat map. We'd have a heat map and um, 
sort of heat map it out of where he's kicking to, how he's kicking, whether we're in possession, whether we're out of possession, and look at all that sort of side of the game of the goalkeepers, and then go to the goalkeeper and say, look, this is where we need to improve on, blah, 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 and develop a session that's going to implement that um, throughout the week to make it marry up to the Saturday. Another thing that always intrigues me, and you've worked with some really experienced goalkeepers, Paul Jones, you've mentioned, David James, another. When a goalkeeper comes to a club that you're working at towards the latter stages of their career or when they are already really experienced, if the manager wants to play a certain way or implement a certain style, can it sometimes be difficult having to try and change the habits of an experienced keeper who's played the same way for many years? I think uh, that's a good question, to be fair. Uh, very valid as well. Um, I was lucky enough to work with David um, coming towards the end of his career at about 36. And um, he came in, um, Harry Redknapp was a manager, wanted to play, I mean, we wanted to play a certain way, but we had experienced players around him and David adapted quite easily. Um, he took on board what the way that we were going to play and how we were going to stay in the Premier League, which was, was great. Um, Another one to mention was probably someone like Dean Kiley, again, in latter stages of his career. Um, what you've got to remember is for, for, for every sort of um, uh, trait that they have, it takes a, a year really to eradicate um, that sort of, not mistake, but that, that trait that they have in them. So it takes time. So it's a build-up process, even at 37. But I don't think there's a... There's a goalkeeper now, probably in the country, that doesn't want to get better and probably doesn't want to to learn and listen. So I think I think that um, goalkeepers will certainly respond to managers who are trying to sign them and have a specific way or a specific philosophy of how they're going to play and will adapt, adapt to it. Um, that might be with playing out from the back. That might be um, uh, playing long ball, that might be playing into midfield. It all depends on how, how they set up, whether it's 4-3-3 or whether it's, a, like I mentioned with uh, Steve Koch, whether it's a 3-5-2. So. You, you mentioned Harry Redknapp there. During your time at Portsmouth together, you win the FA Cup. Now, people always focus on the manager and the team when it comes to these sort of things. But as you've rightly mentioned, goalkeeping coaches is a specialist position, fitness coaches as well. How important is it when a club is successful that the whole unit of staff is seen as a team rather than just a manager? Um, I, I, I've worked with some really, really good managers. Um, like you mentioned, Harry. Harry would always put his staff first, which um, was great. Um, Glenn Hoddle, I worked with at Southampton, he was the same. It was always about his staff. So if... if if he had a glass of wine, everyone had a glass of wine. It was just that sort of um, that sort of friendship, that sort of um, bonding. Um, Gordon Strachan was another uh, manager that I worked for who was adamant about his staff. Um, I remember getting to the cup final with Southampton. Uh, we played away at Villa Park, beat Watford in the semi-finals. And an hour later, or two or three hours later, sorry, not an hour later, but two or three hours later, we were in Gordon Strachan's house with all of our family and all of his family. So I think that is, that's, that's, that's a, when you get a manager like that, I think that's an important part of um, your team bonding as well. And, it, and if the staff are doing that, players will see that as well and they'll react to that. So I think that's a positive. Certainly with Harry, um, there was never a dull moment. So um, I could tell you some stories, but there's there's too many to tell, and they're all funny. And uh, he's such a he's such a special guy. So 
Another question I, I, I've just thought of while we're speaking here, and please feel free to shoot me down if this is a daft question. But say when, say, say when you're coaching a, a team as a goalkeeping coach and you get a goalkeeper on loan, would you liaise with the goalkeeping coach they had at their parent club to see what they're used to? Or would it be just a case of when they arrive in loan, they adapt to your style and you're in charge of them? Um, I think, I mean... When you're going out to um, take a goalkeeper on loan, you've got to look at the style that they've they've already got and whether it fits your philosophy, whether it fits your club, your style of play. So I think that that's that's important. So the manager and the goalkeeping coach will sit down. We'll have a list of probably about three to four goalkeepers that fit our style of play um, or fit the club style of play, and then you'll go around the houses of obviously he's got to fit with the budget he's got to fit that that he's available to come on loan so you've got all that sort of stuff um but when when you get them um yeah i think you you do liaise with the uh the goalkeeping coach that he's just left is there any some is there something specific he needs before training uh does he have a a, a rehab session that he's, he's he's still doing um uh does he need something specific in training on a daily basis? So whether that's technical, tactical, or you know, gym programs, we we get all the feedback from that. Uh, injuries, everything comes in before you take that player online or that goalkeeper online, shall I say? What do you make of the standard of goalkeeping in England now, and, and specifically with English players? Because you've got Nick Pope, you've got Jordan Pickford. Um, Dean Henderson, there are there are others out there as well. Do you think that the nation of, of England is in a good position when it comes to goalkeepers? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, two of those you just mentioned, uh, Nick Pope and Dean Henderson, we actually at Bristol tried to take on loan. Um, Nick Pope, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of. Um, he's a he's a very good goalkeeper and he's improved no end at Burnley under the um, the Billy Mercer um, goalkeeping academy there. So. Um, He's done a great job with him, and um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Dean Henderson is, um, you know, you mentioned David De Gea um, at the moment, who's been through a rough patch. But every goalkeeper goes through that. Um, it's how you come out the other end. Um, but Dean will be a massive threat now to to David, and um, it's always good to have a good number two. By the way, it's it's it's, it's imperative that you you have a number two that pushes your number one, and your number three is the one that you. I've been privileged in my career to see my number three overtake my number two on two or three occasions and, and go straight into the team. So um, it's, 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 it's really important. And, and the goalkeeping coach is um, sort of a, a, a major um, I can, a major influence on, on the two and the three uh, to push the number one. So I think that's, that's, important. that's an important role for the goalkeeping coach. Uh, so. Another thing that I, I want to get your perspective on, because I think you'll be able to really explain this, which is something that fans, I think, sometimes are baffled by. You look at Manchester United and Manchester City now, and they're number three goalkeepers. They are Lee Grant and Scott Carson, um, respectively. Why, why would those clubs that are major clubs sign guys like that to be their number three? Is it because they've played basically hundreds of games at Football League and Premier League level and that's why they've been put into that number three position? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, their, uh, their, their role at the club, I mean, certainly Lee, uh, Lee Grant, who I was privileged to meet at um, an engagement day with England, going back in February sometime. Um, he's on the pathway now of developing himself as a goalkeeping coach. Um, so he's taking his badges and going through that way. But I think um, I think when they get to that age, they get they um, 
they get um, to in, into their thirties, they, there's still a hunger to play. Don't don't ever ever think that that's not there. Um, but obviously, he will have a, a different pathway now in terms of developing himself as a goalkeeping coach. But I, I, the the other thing is the English thing. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of English players talent that you have to have at the club, um, whether that's on the bench or not. Um, you have to have sort of homegrown players, so that that would come into it as well. So that would be uh, your Scott Carsons and your and your Lee Grants, um, but uh, certainly they would add to your goalkeeping um, sort of daily routines. I mean, they would have a massive massive influence on the young lads coming through. I know at uh, Man City they've got um, I had two of the England goalkeepers, which is uh, Louis Molden and James Trafford. So he would have a massive influence when they jump up and start training with the first team keepers and. So he would be like a father figure to have around the 18s, 19s, 23s. So, um, yeah, they have their uses and and that's not being, uh, that's not trying to rubbish what clubs do. I I think it's important to have experience around because especially someone like Scott, who's who's played and even Lee has played at the top level for so many years now. Imagine that walking through the door and you've got an 18 year old and, and you're a goalkeeping coach and sometimes you can just leave um, them to uh, to coach the young lads. You don't need to deal with that. So their experience, like if something happens in training, usually, and I've done it with uh, Nicky Mayan, but Frankie Fielding and even David James, when there was a problem in training and, and I explained something, Jamie would pipe up, Cozy, I've been through that, let me explain it to him. And he, he would go in and, and just coach and I'd just walk away and leave it because he's playing, I'm not, if that makes sense. So he knows what it feels like. I can only see what it looks like. So I think that's important as well. Another thing that, another goalkeeper in particular I want to ask you about is Rob Green. Now, I know Rob went to Chelsea, he was the number three there um, a couple of seasons ago, but he's a goalkeeper I always rated, especially when he was younger and, and you, you worked with him at West Ham. Were you done your homework, Callum, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Were you shocked that he never really went to a top four or top six club, say, when when he was at his peak because it's always strange when, when you think now that the guys who we're talking about in terms of the England jersey you've got Henderson's returning to, to Man United Pope I'm sure if one of the top four sold their keeper would be high in the radar so are you shocked that he never quite went to a top six club at his peak? Well I think when you look at his career he played an awful amount of games in the Premier League whether it was for, for Norwich whether it was for Queen's Park Rangers whether it was for West Ham um, and then latterly you just spoken about Chelsea. Um, I, I know that he specifically went to Chelsea for that reason, to help develop the young lads, uh, which was uh, his choice. But he did have a great career. It's not, it's, you know, anyone who plays Premier League football, and I weren't privileged enough to play that. Uh, so um, anyone who plays Premier League football uh, for, for, for the, the amount of time that they do, whether it's a year, two years, three years, you know, I think Rob, Rob had a successful career. Um, uh, he was capped by his country, which is, is fantastic. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, can st- I, 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 I don't understand why a bigger club didn't probably come and take him at the time. But obviously there were so many good goalkeepers around with Rob, like you, you've mentioned, the Scott Carsons, the David James, the Paul Robinson. So they were all around at that time. So maybe those big clubs didn't need goalkeepers or didn't feel that they, they did. I mean, David Seaman was around with Rob as well. So um, yeah. Another thing I want to ask you about, I mean, 
I've talked about the fact you've been at Portsmouth, Southampton, West Ham, Bristol City, but you, you also mentioned Al Jazeera. You, you, you went abroad. What was that experience like? And was it completely different to the sort of way that, that life was in, in the Premier League as such? Um, it was certainly different. Um, it's obviously, it's a Muslim country, so um, I had to, to brush up on the rules of um, what uh, the Muslim religion do in terms of praying and, 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 and stuff like that. Obviously, Ramadan comes into that. So, but um, as you know, uh, UAE is a very hot country, so some nights, uh, well, most nights we train, but some days it could get up to about 45, 48 degrees. So it was... It was quite a warm one. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had um, I had three good goalkeepers there. I had a lad called Ali Kasif, who was national goalkeeper. Um, I had another lad who's now playing at Alain uh, called Kaladisa, and another lad who's, I think he's playing at Dibba in um, just outside of Dubai, uh, uh, Kalitanani. And they were... They were all really good. They adapted to my ways. They enjoyed my company. I showed them some different ways of training. They certainly liked the boxing that we did in the, in the afternoons um, before training. So, yeah, it was it, it was different. Um, I was privileged enough to win a few trophies out there. So, um, and it's a massive club and a, a real good club. Something that I want to ask you about in terms of um, the methods that you use. Am I right in saying that you introduced boxing programs um, to, to really just help the hand-eye coordination, the footwork, the balance, and, and the tempo, especially of the goalkeepers? Yeah, um, my my father was a, a sort of a, a semi-pro boxer, so um, lucky lucky enough when I was at Brighton, going back so many years now, um, I was privileged enough to um, watch uh, Chris Eubank um, do some stuff. So uh, he used to come into Brighton Football Club and use the gym and uh, it was nice to be around him and watch him use the bag and everything. So I implemented some programs then, picked up some bits and pieces from him. Um, whether he knew it or not, uh, I did. And um, yeah, I think I think there's so many ways that you can train. I think there's a massive crossover. Um, certainly sports like uh, racket sports like uh, squash table tennis badminton tennis uh, a great uh, iron and coordinations and and boxing is as well you know the, the skipping the, the moving the, the balance um, obviously the punching in terms of you know punching punching balls it all relates um, I've used tennis in training tennis balls in training I've used smaller balls I've used weighted balls I've used med balls um, just to sort of stimulate the goalkeepers around that I have, but also there's a contrast in terms of eccentric and concentric loading as well. So that goes along with, with weighted balls and, and stuff like that. But yeah, certainly I try and make training interesting, but I also realise that the game is is about the game and, uh, and realistic practice is important, but um, sort of the front half of the week is based around sort of fitness, uh, crossing uh, distribution stuff. And then the latter part of the week, it's all around about the opposition that we're going to play on the Saturday. So hence I will do a lot of analyst work or analytical work um, sort of around what the opposition do, where they score from, what part of the field they cross from. Is there, do they press with a two? Do they press with a three? Is there any way we can find channels or, or find how to play through, around or over. So, yeah. I, know 
Another Sorry. thing that in, in, intrigues me, and it's something that I'll be honest with you, David, frustrates me. Um, you look at Joe Hart, and I feel that with goalkeepers, even when they're at a decent age, if they've made a couple of high-profile errors, more than players of their age, they get written off very, very quickly. If, in terms of recruitment, if you get a see into that, is someone like a Hart that's gone through a bit of a, a tough spell, but it's clearly experienced, is that the sort of guy that, as a coach, you would love to, if you were at a club, to, to try and get in and work with him? Because deep down, you know that he's got the experience and he's got the ability. It's just that psychological side that needs to be worked on. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I mean, I've, um, I mean, I, we, we, <laughs> Harry signed, um, uh, David from from Manchester City, and um, he'd had he'd had some good years. But I think when you look back at his years, and certainly if you ever speak to him, I think his best years were at Portsmouth um, because he was prepared to just go that little bit more for a club that wasn't a big club at the time. I mean, it is a massive club, but it's a sleeping giant, really. Um, but he he came in and um, he really got down to some work. And again, you, you've just, you've just sort of tapped on the side of the psychological. David came with a, um, a psychologist called um, oh god Keith Keith Power, and um, we sat down one afternoon and discussed where David wanted to go with this move and what he, what he saw in his future for the or. And one of the biggest things he mentioned, and I'll always remember this, I said to him, like, where do you see yourself? What, what, what's missing? And he said, I want to I wanna get back into the England side. So I said, right, that's, that's our target. Let's sit down. Let's discuss strategies. Let's have a look at what we can do as a team to get you back to where you want to be. And he did. He got back in the squad. Uh, Capello picked him. Obviously, uh, you mentioned Robert Green and, and the error. Um, David actually played, you know, in the World Cup. So he he came in and was prepared to work. And I think, you know, I think Joe's such a good goalkeeper. I mean, I watched him play at Shrewsbury back in the day. I think everyone was watching Joe Hart. Um, I sat in a stadium at Northampton once and watched Joe Hart play, and there must have been about 15 Premier League goalkeeping coaches watching him. Um, but I, st I still think there's more to come from Joe, I mean, even at his age now. Um, yeah, I would love to have had a hold of Joe Hart um, and worked with him. Another aspect of goalkeeping that um, has, I suppose, with the modern game, has been shown off a lot more. It, when, it's, when it comes to penalties, um, I know when it's went to penalty shootouts, you've seen goalkeepers with some notes written on their bottle, sometimes an iPad or whatever's produced. Yeah. How would you prepare goalkeepers with for a game which has the potential of a penalty shootout? We've had a few um, at the England under 18s uh, after the first tournament we played in every game I had to finish on penalties. Gareth had a, um, a, a sort of a five year process plan where he wanted everyone to take penalties at lower age so that we, we developed a, a sort of a mental toughness and, and, and a team toughness of, of dealing with them situations which are quite um, psychological in terms of um, walking up, dealing with that, everyone being together, everyone back in the the, the, the striker, whether he scores or not. Um, me personally, I, I the way I dealt with it is obviously I I, I didn't have an iPad. I actually watched every penalty taken, so made notes. And um, it's interesting because in, in a couple of the games, the goalkeepers um, would look across the James Trafford, Louis Moldens, and I'd be pointing um, one way or the other. I'd I'd had it in my head that 
that was going to, and they actually did save them. So um, not that I take credit for it. They, they went the right way. They have to make the save. But yeah, I do all my homework and have notes and then I show them the notes and, and probably the night before, especially with England, um, just going for it in mentally, physically in terms of in training. And um, if he runs up a certain way, if his standing foot is opening up, he's going to go to his left or vice versa. Uh, I always believe uh, lefties go left. So um, that was my favourite shout, lefties go left, if it was a left footer. And um, yeah, it's, it's, but at the end of the day, the goalkeeper will see so many visual signs. You know, um, I know when I played many, many years ago now, uh, I used to look at the goal, uh, where he put the ball, when he put it down, did he look up, did he, did he move back in a certain area? How far was his standing foot going to be to that ball when he struck it? Did he open up at the last minute and side foot it? Um, did he come onto it straight? Uh, there's loads and loads of bits of science. Did he look at you? Did he look at the referee? I mean, um, in those days, there weren't many players that were brave enough to go down the middle. So you always had a chance left or right side. But now they're... Um, they're trying to get a little bit cuter. Um, and obviously, uh, I watched the penalties the other night. Wow. You know, some real good penalties, Liverpool. Um, and in terms of, from a goalkeeper's perspective, when it comes to facing a penalty, do you try and encourage them to, to stand up for as long as they can before committing to the, to the corner they're going to dive to? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of kidology. Um, I'm used to the wobbly legs uh, that he did, that he performed. Um, but there is, um, there's, there's different strategies you, you can use. You can have the imaginary bit of paper in the back of the net to delay the whole thing, um, or the imaginary bit of paper in front of you that you have to go and pick up. Um, certainly, a good one is is handing them the ball. So if you if 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 you if you've got the ball, hand them the ball, and then walk back slowly. Um, but strikers usually try and grab that quick. Um, you can delay it by sort of talking to the referee. So there's there's a lot of psycho psychological um, cues that the goalkeeper can use. Um, certainly, I used to use a few, and um, I passed them. I've passed them on to everyone that I know, really. Um, whether they work or not, I don't know. Um, but certainly, sometimes the goalkeepers have saved penalties. I mean, I remember David James at Preston saving one on, on our FA Cup run. Um, and saying to him, just delay it before the gift is a penalty. Just delay it because he doesn't like he doesn't like people that delay. So yeah, it's it's, it's horses for courses. I think it's it's um, developing a something a kidology that's going to work for you uh, as a goalkeeper. Um, but I think you can you can look looking back over careers the amount of goalkeepers. I'm, I, I remember Paul Cooper. Do you remember Paul Cooper before your time at Ipswich? He was phenomenal at saving penalties and he would lean one way, whether it be to his left or his right, and then he would change direction um, and then make this incredible save. So. You've worked with many young goalkeepers, as you've mentioned, with the England youth setup. What advice do you give, or broad advice do you give to young goalkeepers that you're working with? Listen, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, learn. So be prepared to learn something every day. So take home something every day that you've learned. Um, feedback, because I think it's important that they feedback how they're feeling. Uh, that's the first thing I ask when they get on the grass, how are you feeling? 
what was your night like? Where did you do? What, where did you go? What you been up to? What did you eat last? Just try and find out a bit about them. But I think that's relationship building more than anything else. I think once you've got their trust, I think they'll buy into you, um, especially if you know what you're talking about, of course, um, because I think that's important as well nowadays that uh, you've had that experience. Um, and I still believe that as well. Um, certainly, I work with some goalkeeping coaches like Mike Kelly and um, I actually trained with Peter Shilton, so he gave me some advice. Alan Hodgkinson, some real good goalkeeping coaches over my time. Uh, Bob Wilson was another one as well. Um, so I think that, that so learn something every day. I think that that's the biggest thing. Take home something every day. Um, do I profess to know everything about goalkeeping coaching? No, I don't. So I think I think that it's important that they recognise that. Um, they can learn from other people as well. So uh, if you've got a first-team goalkeeper, like you've mentioned, Callum, with like David James, and he starts talking to him, I think that, for me, was always a time to walk away. So I had Asmir Begovic at uh, 17, 18, and I had David James talking to him. Why would I want to get involved? Um, my opinion, you know, for, for at that time was not valid compared to someone like David James, who's actually playing Premier League football, international football, and helping As Asmir Begovic develop his career. So I think that's important. Same with Antti Niemi. Um, we we took a young lad from Brentford called Paul Smith, who, who had a good career. And there were days when Antti would talk to him, uh, sit in a canteen and actually talk to him. And then he'd call me over and say, look at this. And uh, we'd go through the training that we'd already done. And um, and I think it's important. I think that learning, be, be, be a sponge, in other words. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Be a sponge to everyone, not just to your goalkeeping coach, not just to your first-team goalkeeper, but watch football, enjoy football, see football. The amount of goalkeepers that I watched when I was younger was was good for my game. Might not have played at the top level, but it was still good because, you know, I've mentioned a few of them, like your Bob Wilsons, your, your Peter Shilton's, your Joe Corrigan's. Um, we're all different and I don't think there's any goalkeeper who's ever going to get it right we all have different styles we have different ways of keeping the ball out of the net we have different ways of kicking distributing dealing with crosses dealing with through balls um, but if they work for you then stay with them but don't stop learning because I still think that you can still make it better and stronger so in other words uh, build on your strengths repair your weaknesses easiest way of explaining Last question, you, you better leave to here, David. Um, what advice, well, what, sorry, what's the plan for you in the future? Do you want to get back in at club level? Do you, are you planning to, to continue the, the international side with youths? What's the plan? Um, the plan, the plan is to get a job, <laughs> no matter what level. Um, I miss not being out on the grass. Um, I've never, ever denied that. Um, find it strange being at home with, uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing some coaching. I've been to uh, Asmir Begovic's uh, academy up at Cobham. So I've done some work, which has been good. It's a, it's a good release, but it's also putting something back into the game and helping these young kids that are, are at grassroots level, which is is good good for me and, and good for them, hopefully, because um, they might be picking up a few things. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to get back to work, really, in terms of, um, for myself, I, I, I feel that I've still got a lot to offer. I can still run around. I'm still biking 15 miles a day and doing stuff just to keep fit. So, um, and I'm still young. I'm only uh, 93, so um, I've got years ahead of me. No, seriously, I, I, I really would love to get back in um, somewhere. Um, even at 18s, youth team football, academy football, first team football, reserve football, 23s. 
just want to get back in. So. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. I really do appreciate it. No, no worries, Cam. Good to talk to you. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song